Hey, Mosaic family and friends, if you're new, welcome. We are so glad that you're tuning in to worship with us through song and word. And uh, my name's Colin. I, I get the opportunity and privilege to serve with our community team, particularly on the west side of, North, uh, of 49 here in Northwest Arkansas. And it is a joy and an honor to be with you. Uh, it, it has been just another week, yeah? I mean, from the explosion in Beirut uh, to the hurricane sweeping the south of the coast, to now, I mean, just death through the pandemic. And uh, what I'd love to do is, even as we start to dive in tonight, would you mind just go ahead and bowing for a second? And closing your eyes, and would you just ask Jesus to enter in and bring comfort and peace to those who are needing it right now? Oh, come quickly, Lord. Well, it seems like in this day and age, 2020 is just not our year, is it? <laughs> it's been wave after wave after wave. And one of my favorite uh, theologians, as well as a man I aspire to be like in many ways, is actually my grandfather. Uh, his name was Coach Tommy Jackson. And uh, he was a basketball coach down at Auburn uh, High School back in the 60s and 70s. And just an incredibly amazing teacher and uh, my dad and I were talking the other day about just some of the tips that coach would kind of teach him while they would shoot hoops. And he always had life lessons to go along with it. And there was one night my dad was playing horse with coach out on the basketball court in his driveway. And uh, coach was smoking him. <laughs> this guy could ball. And uh, it finally got to the point where my dad was so far out, he couldn't make it. And, and coach Tommy said, hey, my grandfather invited my dad to come closer to the goal. And he had him get as close as he could to it. And he said, hey, I want you to remember this one lesson. That with distance increases error. That when, when you start to move further and further and further and further away, there's more opportunities for error. So you gotta stay close and you gotta stay connected. And what a good life lesson for the church right now, huh? That distance, it just increases error in our world, doesn't it? And so distance from God or distance from one another and, and the, the emotional and the spiritual toll that can be felt amongst image bearers in our world. And so what we'd like to do tonight as we begin to launch into a time where we're gonna worship Jesus through song and through his word, I'd love to invite you to really join us, not only as a community team, but especially just as a community of faith here at Mosaic. And there's really three goals we have as we step into the fall, which would normally be launching community groups and our disciple-making communities. Uh, but this year, we're, we'd really like you to consider these three things. First and foremost um, is connection with God. It is so vital in this season that you have an intimate, uh, abiding relationship with Jesus. It is so vital, not only for your uh, mental and spiritual health, but as well as for the next, that we are asking that we as a church could stay connected. As the author of Hebrews says, that we would not forsake meeting together, even in the face of a pandemic. And lastly, as Jesus, as we'll talk about tonight, his great commission, what he has put his church on mission to do is make disciples. And so what we'd love to invite you to do is to begin to maybe talk with, whether it's your family or if you have a community group about how we as a church are going to multiply and express disciple-making communities to Northwest Arkansas and the world. 
And our community team would really love for you to, to kind of consider four parameters, if you will. Now, this isn't necessarily a checklist of you need to do all of these things, but as you as a family or as a community group or as a disciple-making community begin to consider how am I gonna stay connected to God, one another, and make disciples in this season, we'd love for you to consider these four things. Uh, first and foremost, if you as a disciple-making community are going to gather face-to-face, Hallelujah, that is beautiful. We are just going to ask that you would be wise and safe. Or if you choose to go the virtual route, as, as many of you have, and, and you choose to, to, whether it's because there's family members or those in your family uh, who are more at risk, or, or you're just really trying in this season to make sure that you're loving neighbors and others well, we encourage you, go the virtual format. That It has its challenges for sure, but it can be a really beautiful thing. And also, please, please, please do not neglect your neighbors. That there are so many opportunities right now to press into those who literally are right outside your front door. Oh, and don't miss this one. If you choose as a disciple-making community to focus on your family and that you would go deep in an abiding relationship with Jesus together. And so there's many of of you as spiritual leaders in these discipleship communities who, who are already doing these things. And so if you are a part of a disciple-making community and y'all want to really go into the uh, in-person routes, uh, we're going to ask if you're outside, just would you keep it less than 50? <laughs> I mean, within CDC guidelines, like that's great if y'all want to stay outside and social distance. We just want you to be wise and loving. But as temperatures start to get colder, maybe start talking with your disciple-making community about into the winter time what that is going to look like. Or if you're going a full virtual route, Um, There's a lot of resources and and ways that that we would love as a community team to set you up well to do that. Uh, If you choose to go with the neighbors, uh, I love uh, one of our spiritual leaders, Matt and Amy Friddle. They they literally redid a part of their front yard so that they could better engage in conversations with their friends and neighbors to to begin a disciple-making community just right in their block. Or maybe you're like me and you really want a few families and your kids and you're gonna go deep in this season together, abiding with Jesus and connecting with one another to see disciples made in that context. So here's what our team would love for you to consider. Not necessarily that you have to do all four, but would you and your disciple-making community really take some time to start strategizing and talking? Here's what we're planning to do as we enter into who knows how long this pandemic continues but that we will not be a church that closes friends. The church is open because it is the people who have the spirit of God dwelling within them who are doing the work as the hands and feet of Jesus in Northwest Arkansas and the world. Or maybe you're new and all this disciple making community stuff is just, you don't have a clue. I'd encourage you, please, would you go to our website, uh, mosaicnwa.org slash community. And in that space, you're going to find a chance to really uh, fill out something so we could connect with you. We'd love to hear your story and get you plugged in to connecting with Jesus, loving his people, and making disciples in this season. Well, as we kick off to sing in a time of worship to our good master and friend, Jesus, I love how Psalm 119.68 says it. I need this truth so much right now, and I'm sure you do too that the Lord is good and he does good. And so friends, would you sing with us of the goodness of our God?
cross is broken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me His own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And of your love would you meet us right here in this place as we look to you we fix our eyes on you we come up under your hand of protection over us and we rest in you and I don't belong to riches, treasure. 
pleasures that don't satisfy The power and pleasures that always run dry But I belong to Christ And I don't belong to a Defined by this world Approval and praise That change every day But I belong to Christ And I belong to Christ my King And I belong to Him Drawn by His kindness Bound in His love I belong to Christ And I don't belong to my failures Standards never achieved The pressure of measures that end in defeat But I belong Mosaic, it is so good to be with you this week. I'm so happy to be a part of this body. You know, Ryan, Gretchen, thank you so much for leading us tonight. Colin, thank you for opening for us. You know, I can just picture people out there in Northwest Arkansas. I can picture the Stoners group together. As we're, we're launching this service tonight, and your group meeting, as the adults watching one screen, as the children watching another, that's the church gathering together, devoted to God and devoted to one another. I can imagine T. Laughlin, T. and Susanna, and, and their group gathering together. And so many families out there across watching this service together this week. 
devoted to God and devoted to one another. Those are the small, little C churches that are gathering across Northwest Arkansas. Tonight, as we talk about the church, we're going to talk about really the big C church. And as you think about the big C church, I want to, I want to really think about how much the church has changed over the history of it, from small groups to large groups, from persecution and suffering to, to times where it flourished, to times where it went silent, where the church wasn't being persecuted, and it just kind of went dead for a few years. But I remember 30 years ago, this past spring, when I walked into a junior high school in Rogers, Arkansas, and I went to this church called Fellowship Bible Church for the first time. Hard to believe it was 30 years ago, last spring. Then a few years later, I started dating this cute little tridelt named Molly Fleming. Her dad was an elder of this church named Fellowship Bible that was in a goat field in Lowell, Arkansas. Same church, same family that had started growing. And there was a day that really was absolutely transformational in my life. Wasn't expecting anything special that Sunday morning, but man, something special happened. The leadership had invited a missionary to come and speak that day. Her name was Margaret Nicole. Margaret was from one of the former Soviet bloc countries in Eastern Europe, and Margaret was a concert violinist. So not being the musical guy that, uh, that I am, I, I really thought, man, this is, this is going to be a killer. This is going to be boring. But the thing about it is Margaret had had her life changed and transformed by the Word of God and by Jesus Christ. And what Robert Cup has always told me is that change lives change lives. I had no idea how Margaret's story was going to change me that day. See, Margaret was a part of the persecuted church. Margaret had suffered, really, all of her life. As she told us that story that day as a young girl, she remembered the police coming into her home and taking Bibles. There was one member of her church, as soon as she heard that the police were coming, she hid her Bible under her skirt and sat on it while the police invaded and went through her home. Then the next day, she brought the, church, the Bible into the church where Margaret's father was the pastor. He proceeded to tear page by page by page out of the Bible and hand it to the church members. The specific page of the Bible that Margaret got was Genesis chapter 12, the story of Abram. How many times would she read, you have been blessed to be a blessing? Margaret's father was a pastor of that church. In his life, he would be jailed and died because of his faith. Margaret's brother took over the pastor of that church. He was jailed and died for his faith. Margaret's mother was jailed and died for her faith. Because Margaret was so gifted in the violin, she traveled and put on concerts all over the world Margaret eventually defected to the U.S., 
was sitting in church one day in Houston next to a family and said, Margaret, you've only been here a short time. It's Christmas. What can we get you for a Christmas present? She said, I've never owned a full Bible. So he took her to a Bible bookstore and she saw all these Bibles throughout the bookstore. And she said, I can't believe that there are so many. And she said, well, most Americans probably have eight Bibles. You got to remember, this was just the early 90s, so we didn't have an iPhone. We didn't have the Bible app on our phone. There's no telling what Margaret would think today. But Margaret saw NIVs, NASBs, ESVs in all different colors of red, green, blue, black. And Margaret said, if only I could get those Bibles to the people from my home country. And that became Margaret's mission in life. Margaret started going to churches, playing her violin, and telling her story. And that's what she was doing at Fellowship that day. She was getting money to send Bibles back home to Bulgaria. Over her lifetime, Margaret got millions of Bibles back home. Margaret saw that she was blessed to be a blessing. And all of that was birthed through the suffering that had happened. The church has suffered for generations. It's suffered for years. When I think back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, the first line, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit is really a posture. It's not any type of, of poverty that we have. It's, it's not a socioeconomic status. It's who we are in our posture, in our spirit. It's a humility that we take on as followers of Jesus. We exit pride and we become humble. The story that we're going to look at tonight of the early apostles, if, if you've been reading throughout Acts as we go through this, this month, you know that Acts chapters 3 through 7 are, are actually stories of the persecuted church. And our story tonight will begin in Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. So if you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 17, or Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. So our small group is arrested, persecuted, they're suffering, in a public jail. They're, they're suffering physically by being in a jail, emotionally. What type of emotions are they going through right now? Anger? Maybe hopelessness? Maybe fear? What do you think the conversations were that they were having? You know, Peter had just, had just experienced this time where 3,000 people had come to know Christ. The church was just getting going. What type of, of discouragement were the guys going through? What type of encouragement did they begin giving each other as they reminded each other of what was happening, because really this battle is not against us. It's against the spiritual principalities 
of this world. That Satan is the one that is causing this to happen. Verse 19. But during the night, the angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. He said, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the message of this new life. God provided a miraculous way. God provided the Holy Spirit to come, open the doors, come out, and then all of a sudden to give the inspiration to go preach the new life. Go tell them what Jesus has done. Evangelize what has happened in this situation. Verse 21, at daybreak they entered the temple courts as they'd been told and began to teach the people. When the holy priest's associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the door. But when we opened them and found no one inside, on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came out and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At this, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priests. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. And he said, Yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and demand, determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. A lot of bold stuff had happened here. But obey was mentioned several times in different contexts. The apostles obeyed what they were told by the angel of the Lord to do. They were told to wait until morning and go to the temple courts and tell the people about what they'd witnessed. They were told by the Sanhedrin not to do that. And yet the name of Jesus was scattered out throughout all Jerusalem. So God gets his words out no matter what happens. Remember, if, if we're quiet, the rocks are still going to cry out. As a suffering church, we must understand that God's still in control. We don't have to fear. He is in control. If we'll do what he is asking us to do, his mission will be accomplished. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on the tree. 
So they're, they're giving these men, the men of the Sanhedrin, the high priests, they're giving them the message again. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might be give repentance and forgiveness of the sins of Israel. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Again, obey is mentioned twice. These are our key verses. Obey God rather than men. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. I was in a small group the other day, and uh, someone said, I just really don't want to be told what to do. Sometimes we're given the heavy hand and told what to do when we aren't given a vision of what it is you're asking us to do. As I studied the Greek of what obey really meant, it means to voluntarily submit. Do we voluntarily submit to what Jesus is asking us to do? The apostles gave this message back again to the Sanhedrin. They gave this message to the people of Jerusalem. And what they were truly doing was giving the vision. Jesus' blood was spilled for you. His grace was given to you. That is our message. Whenever we're asking you, the vision that, that we're trying to give right now is through the suffering of our time. The toughest thing that we can be going through right now, no matter what that might be. There are people in our body that have, have had to endure, either they have COVID, a family member has COVID, they know someone that has COVID, Someone has cancer. Someone is in financial ruin. Someone has lost a job. There are people in our body that are suffering in that manner. All of us are dealing with, what do I do with school? Do I teach school this year? Do I send my kids to school this year? We're dealing with angst about something. All of us are dealing with the angst of What's, what's, I'm just unclear. I'm unclear about racism. I'm unclear about politics. I'm unclear about everything. And people are asking the question of us as spiritual leaders, what do you want me to do? Show me and tell me what you want me to do. The message should be clear. What we're asking of you is be fully devoted to God and devoted to others. The church has not stopped. The church is 100% alive. If we were just meeting in a building, it wouldn't give you as great an opportunity to be a part of a small group. You can join virtually, you can join face-to-face, -face, you can join in, your, in a neighborhood, and you can join with another family. And you can be fully devoted to God, and you can be fully devoted to one another. Or we can let this time pass. Find a small group of women to be engaged with. Find a small group of men 
to be engaged with. We want to help you. If you're suffering in any way, that's what the church is here for. We're here to care for you and nurture you and point you in the right direction to the Lord. If you're suffering during this time, don't waste this time. This is probably your greatest time. Don't allow this time to lean into the things of the world. Don't use this time to numb with alcohol, with pornography, with watching Netflix or becoming an exercise fiend. Use this time to lean in to God. Ask deep, penetrating questions. God, are you really good? God, do you really love me? God, can I fully trust you? Those are the deep, penetrating questions that we need to ask him right now. He's strong enough to answer them. And then we need to find a community of people to ask that with. If you're not in a group, we encourage you to find ways to make that happen. If you want to form a group, please let us know that. How do you go about doing that? Just like Colin said, mosaicnwa.org backslash community. Some of you are meeting in your small groups right now. If you're meeting in your small group right now, or if you have your family gathered together right now, what we want to encourage you to do is there's two questions from tonight's teaching that we want you to ask. And children, I really want you to lean into your parents with this because this is something that my family sits and does, and it becomes our spiritual stories that we can see how God has worked and moved in our life, and it becomes a part of our journey of seeing how God has worked and moved and grown in us. The first question is share a time that you have suffered in your life, and what was the result of that? For us in the Page household, it was a health condition. It, it, it even got worse and resulted in having seizures. So it forced dependence upon the Lord. It forced dependence upon other people. And I can't imagine what my spiritual life would be like today had I not had these health issues in my life. I would not have the relationships with people at fellowship, at Mosaic, or in Northwest Arkansas, if I didn't have these horrible health issues that I did. And I love to tell my children the story of that because God showed up. Share that with your groups. Share that with your children. The second question, why is trusting in God's ways rather than trusting in man's so hard? For me, it's because it's like lifting weights. You just get used to working one certain muscle. And as you work that muscle, all of a sudden, 
You just don't want to work it a different way. We're so used to working our muscles in the way the world tells us to work it. COVID has created a new situation and a new way of doing things. So can we begin trusting God more than we ever have? It's caused a new normal. So please, let's figure out a way to trust him more. We've got a great opportunity coming up. I don't know how many of you really know the elders of our church. But the elders have put together a video for us. And they want to share with you from their hearts how they've been praying for and how they feel at this particular time. So we want to share this video with you. Um, there are going to be pastors and, and staff that are still remaining online to chat with you. So please don't feel like the service is over. Um, watch this video and continue to chat with one another. But Mosaic, have a great week. Hey, Fellowship, I remember the first time I heard some collective wisdom from the elder team here. It was several years ago, 22 in fact, when uh, Fellowship was facing challenges of growth and the elders were led of the Lord to come to this conclusion, as Fellowship grows larger, it must become smaller. Had an idea not long ago and shared with our elder team, why not let the body hear from our, our elders right now as we face challenges of masks, staying six feet apart, all that's going on with COVID right now. And as we take a look at this uh, and what the heart and the thoughts of our elders are as we pray through where fellowship's headed, where God's leading us in the future, I, I think there's three opportunities in front of us. One is to be uh, alert and aware of what God's leading us into. Uh, we're not falling into this, we're being led into it. Number two is while we're in the middle of it, uh, is to be focused uh, on the opportunities that God's putting before us, that He's entrusting to us in the middle of a pandemic. And number three is to be creative. Even to the fact as fellowship continues to grow larger, we've got an opportunity to stay smaller and stay focused and creative with small group ministry and online experiences. We sure miss you. I know our family does and we miss gathering with, uh, with everyone and I'm sure you feel the same. I just want to say thank you for praying for the elders uh, as we look at all that information uh, and we seek the Holy Spirit's direction and we look in the Word and we pray together. We're looking for unity of our elders about when we need to come back. And I was just thinking about uh, when we come back uh, it's going to be an incredible celebration. I was thinking the other day about just when we get to heaven, what that celebration is going to be like. Well, in the same breath, I think it's going to be neat, really special when we all get back and celebrate together and be back with the body. It'll be a wonderful thing. But the church is still alive today. Thank you for all that you're doing. And thank you for the ministries that you have, the discipleship that you're doing, the intentionality with your family. I know my family, we've had some really special times looking at all the services virtually, and it's been a great time. And I hope you've had the same. So let's endure and have some patience and perseverance over whatever the next time period is. And thank you for your prayers. We look forward to getting back with you soon and have an incredible celebration together. Thank you for your incredible support over these last very unique five months. I assure you that although we're not meeting live and in person, 
that the mission, the vision is moving forward and it is strong. The staff is working incredibly hard and creatively to serve a lot of families. Please continue to pray with us that we as a church would continue to be led by the Holy Spirit. Blessings to you all. As is the case of so many of you, this is the longest time in my whole life that I've been since going to church, physically going to church. And that is hard. But in the midst of this, I'm so thankful for the way that God continues to work through Fellowship Bible and the countless stories of your acts of service, of your encouragement, of your generosity, of you reaching out to others in need. With that, we also cherish your prayers as we seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and for His direction and His direction only. So keep looking to Him and look forward to seeing you soon. I wanted to say a few words to you and decided Paul said it a whole lot better than I could. So I want to read something to you out of Philippians chapter 1. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Not acting out of fear, the church is meeting the needs of the body and those outside of the body through our talented staff and also the intentional uh, acts of our body as they send cards, make phone calls, do those driveway visits, do small group gatherings, and do Zoom meetings. All of those displaying the love we share in Christ Jesus. And we're all doing it with a lot of self-discipline. None of us would have ever chosen to fellowship or communicate in the methods that we're using today. But through that, we are truly blessed though. And my encouragement to you is to stay well and carry on church. You know, as we continue to monitor many, many uh, details uh, surrounding the COVID virus, as we continue to seek expert opinion, and balance many, many risks versus benefits. We just ask that you would continue to pray for us as we pray with you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that we will continue to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and that we won't lean on our understanding, but rather we will acknowledge and seek God's will. That's what we're doing. In the meantime, continue to do the most important thing, Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbors. Love all of those around you and in your community and in your community group as yourself. Thank you for being so supportive during all this time. As we live through these uncertain times, uh, may we see God more clearly. Remember, during good times and difficult times, God is faithful. God can be trusted. Romans 12, 12 and 13 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. 
practice hospitality. Each of us is the church, it's not a building. Continue to pursue God and love each other. Uh, we have so much to be grateful for, even in the midst of a pandemic. God is active and at work in our body in some amazing ways. Uh, we are extremely grateful for how he has provided so creatively in, in a number of ways, uh, not the least of which is our clarity study and our online uh, videos and other uh, ministry tools that are reaching uh, many people that we may not otherwise been able to reach. We're also grateful for your generosity and your compassion. We have a lot of people that are in our body and our community that are hurting, and you have reached out to them again with great compassion and great generosity. God is at work, and we have so much to be grateful for. But let us not be distracted by all the things that are going around us in our world. Let us seek to have a laser beam focus on our mission and vision. Let's love God completely. Let's uh, care for others deeply, and may we continue to make disciples. So Fellowship, that's our elder board who make decisions on behalf of this body, who pray on behalf of this body, who pray for people in our body. And right now we're seeking God's wisdom. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And that's what this group is doing. So during this time, I encourage you, don't lose hope. Don't lose sight of our vision. And don't discount what the hidden hand of God may be doing without our knowing. Let's stay focused on the mission before us. And soon we'll be back together again.